Join Scotty and Hands Friday, September 3rd from 10 to 2 at Mountainland Supplies Tool Days Tailgate Party. Get great deals on Milwaukee, Husqvarna, Falltech, and many more. Win great raffle prizes like Utah Jazz tickets, SLB suites, and free power tools. All at Mountainland Supplies Tool Days Tailgate Friday, September 3 at 1505 West, 130 South in Orm. Friday, September 3rd. That's tomorrow, people. 1505 West, 130 South in Orm. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hit us up with your predictions. If you want to get on the record, how's it going to go? Now's the time. Now's the time to let us know what you think of the Utes with Game 1 tonight against Weber State. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Lincoln Kennedy on the Smart Rain guest line. It is no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Lincoln, good morning. Welcome back for another season. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy football season to you and yours. And, and um, I'm in Salt Lake City right now, and it's been warm. I, I can't remember the last time when I was here, it was this warm, this many consistent days. And the first day I got here was actually very humid, so uh, surprising. Uh, but it's good to be here and good to be with you guys. Yeah, it's been a warm, smoky summer here. We've been choking on the smoke from the California fires, so it's uh, been yeah. an unusual deal. All right, so I am curious uh, what you think. Ute fans have a lot of questions about quarterback and Charlie Brewer transferring in, but Jake Bentley transferred in from South Carolina. That didn't work out. Charlie Brewer transfers in from Baylor. Uh, There is a little bit of fear that maybe he's put up the 9,000 yards passing against inferior Big 12 defenses. What do you think? What kind of quarterback play is Utah about to get? Well, you know, let's let's stay with what we do know instead of talking about the unknown. I mean, which programs have always been what run and run and uh, play defense, right? So I don't think we get away from that. To be honest with you, I think you still have the ability with a big, powerful offensive line, which the Utes have, and the number of running backs they can go to. That you know, you can kind of usher in the new quarterback and get. And what helps him is the fact that you know Burra has had starts and has had experience. Now, regardless of what you say, the level of talent compared to you know the Big 12 and the Pac-12, uh, it is what it is. But you know, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good opportunity. I think Utes are a strong football team. I think they're capable of taking the South. And I'm not just saying that because I'm doing the game. I think they have that capability with that roster they have in place. The one thing that surprises me, and you're right, absolutely, about Whittingham's program about the running the ball, but. You look at their depth chart, and they got three oars at the running back position, which means that they've got four guys. So uh, it's uh, half full, half empty. You got four guys that are really good, or you got nobody who's emerged. How do you look at it? <laughs> I like it. Always a glass half, half full, huh? <laughs> kind of guy. Is that, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I will say this. You know, here's the thing. Um, because this, you know, college football doesn't have it in the next mission season, as you guys know. So these are the type of games where you kind of get it out now. And talking with uh, Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator yesterday, he, he talked about all four of these backs are going to get the football, and they're going to try to figure, you know, what it out, what what they've got. You know, Micah Bernard and T.J. Pledger are kind of the same guys, he said. Um, but, you know, you've got somebody um, – actually, I'm trying to take that back because wrong guys. I'm looking at the wrong depth chart. Sorry, I apologize. Whatever, guys. But, you know, um, talking about these, these running backs that they have, that Tavon Thomas is more of a thumper. 
Uh, Chris Curry is the guy who's running between the, uh, who runs between the tackles. They've got a lot of guys that they can go to and try out. But here's, they only have one football. There's only one football, so there's only so much that you can go around. So these are the type of games where you're trying to get a feel for who's what, who can do what at what level. And if they take advantage of Weaver State very early in the game and it becomes a runaway, we'll see all these guys and, and more uh, from this roster. So when you talked to him, did you get the feeling that any one of the four had an edge, or was he a poker player and he held those cards back and you have no idea how he ranks them in his mind right now? I think I want to say it's uh, Michael Bernard is number one, and TJ Pledger is right, right, really close with them at number two. Uh, it depends on what they want to do. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that that the Utes uh, feel that they can overpower the Wildcats um, and and wear them down, especially with their size and their depth. So, you know, it, it's anyone's guess on how they're going to, you know, finagle or how they're going to take advantage uh, of Weaver State. Um, in, in this game, but they want to try to they want to try to utilize all of them because not only do they have a number of good running backs that they can run the football with, but they've got some damn good tight ends. And they have you know they with their package they can toss the ball around. They can run a lot of twelve and thirteen personnel, which means they can look like they're going to run the ball and throw the ball to play action. So they've got a lot of options working for them right now. Feel the same way uh, as far as the offensive line because Kyle Whittingham in his weekly press conference on Monday wasn't saying that there was a commitment since starting five. So I'm wondering, do they, you know, they use this game to see where they're at and solidify things next week when the competition and the emotion ramps up when they play the Cougars in Provo? Now I will say this: the only thing about the offensive line is that they've got some guys that are might be might not play tonight due to concussion protocol and other circumstances. So let's exactly let's say somebody for for Jaron Kump, who they're very high on um, and thinks that he can be a player one day. He might not dress up because there's some there's some uh, you know some uh, doubts there that he might not. And then there's a couple other guys on the offensive line that might not play tonight if they don't get through concussion protocol and everything else. So um, that's the only question mark when it comes to offensive line. Overall, they feel solid in their strength and their ability once they get their guys back, whether it takes an additional week or so on and so forth, that one, they, they feel that they can handle Weber State, but two, they, can, they feel that they can get through and be able to develop some younger guys and get some younger guys playing time and still be okay. Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Pac-12 Networks uh, analyst and Vegas uh, Raiders. I still can't say the Las Vegas Raiders, man. Just, <laughs> just say the Raiders. The Raiders, the Raiders, I know, right? <laughs> Drop all geographical references. Let them bounce around wherever they want to go. And a Raiders exactly. analyst. And we want to get to NFL with you in a second. But uh, handicap the Pac-12 South. Arizona State, obviously, at minimum, it's a distraction. Maybe it's one they'll overcome, but this deal with the coaches and guys having to leave the team, that's a distraction. Uh, USC, I know you think they've been overhyped. You've told us that before. Are they overhyped this year? Where do the, Rank the top of the Pac-12 South and throw UCLA in there. Is Chip Kelly about ready to get going, or uh, is Chip Kelly about ready to get going? ASU gets a little bit of the edge over the Utes as far as the top, mainly because they have more consistent and, and more they know more about their quarterback play. Quarterback play makes such a difference in this game, as you guys know. There's still some intangibles when it comes to the Utes. I think the Utes have a very strong roster. I think they have a very good team. I, as I said earlier in the interview, I still think they are a team that is capable of winning the South. And they might be able to take that next step to where they actually win the Pac-12 collectively as a whole because they won the South before. So uh, I, I think they're number two. 
Number three is a little bit of a toss-up. I haven't seen enough or felt enough secure to put USC there. I still believe that, you know, with with the offense that they run and a lot of the things that they're doing, it's not really indicative of their strengths and personnel, but we got to see how these things come together. UCLA showed a strong running game. Obviously, when they were playing against Hawaii, we'll see more of them when they play against LSU, what they're capable of. But I really think the two top teams in this in this uh, the South Division are ASU and, and Utah. And going in the North, you know, Oregon gets a lot of run, but I actually mm-hmm. pick Washington, and I think that Washington, and it's hard to say that they're underrated because they are the Huskies and they get a lot of respect, but you look at the quarterback back, all five linemen back, top four running backs back, tight end. Auten looks like another one. They've had a number of great tight ends there. So I really like them. What do you think about the North? Well, I, I feel the same way, of course, and I'm trying to be a little slightly – I'm trying to be non-partial because I'm a dog, but it is what it is. Um, the thing is, I think uh, Washington and Oregon both have good teams, and I, I think Oregon has you know, a little bit on the, better as far as the pass rush in the front seven than Washington has. But Washington over the last couple of years has been known as defensive back you, so they can shut down anyone's passing attack. It's whether or not they can stop the run. You know, here's what I here's what I appreciate about college football guys is that we have such rivalries built into such such things for the most part in college football that we can look forward to Oregon versus Washington game, SC versus LA. I, I I'm hoping that one day we can truly develop, and it might be you know Utah Washington, it might be you know Utah Arizona State or whatever. But we get those rivalries built into where you can look for, look forward to those games that they mean a whole lot more. If you know what I'm talking about, um, and for the most part, it, you know, a rivalry is not considered a rivalry if it's one-sided. So if one t- one school has had its you know way or control over another for years, and, and it's been you know you can't really explain on it. It is what it is. But for the most part, you know, you want to see these things go back and forth. You want to see the two teams that are vying or that we're referring to are competing for a championship or putting themselves in position for a championship, and their rival is standing in the way from them getting there. But, and I think that's what you have out of the North. That's why I bring that up. I think you've got a collision course between Washington and Oregon. And there are going to be some disruptions. It'll, it'll be maybe a Cal or maybe a Stanford. There might be somebody else who steps in there and knocks one of these teams off or catches them off guard to really make things hard for them. But we are on a collision course for those two teams to meet, and they'll probably decide the outcome of the North. Lincoln Kennedy join us, Pac-12 Network analyst and an analyst for Raider Radio Broadcast with Brent Musburger. I am curious, as a dog... As a guy who's got those deep Washington roots, having played there, when you see what Oklahoma and Texas did to the Big 12, do you think there's any chance USC, Oregon, and Washington would ever do that to the Pac-12, or do you think that's uh, people having nightmares and they need to calm down? As you know, in my opinion, guys, as long as we have these arguments about expanding the playoff and what that can do, I think we're on a we're on a course to eventually see a change in college football. I believe that. In all honesty, instead of having things like the FBS and FCS, we're going to have a tier system. There are very few universities in this, in this country that can stand alone on their own without a TV deal. And what I'm talking about is places like Texas, places like Notre Dame, places like BYU. Um, and, and, and you can even make the argument for SC. Now you can make the argument for Alabama if you want, that are, that are capable of standing on their own without a TV deal. Places like that, I think what you would put on in, in my, in sort of my mind of thinking about things would be what I consider like a tier one. There's tier one teams. There's your Oregons, your Washingtons, your Utahs. You, those are your tier ones. Okay. Then you'll have your tier twos, 
what you will have places like, you know, Colorado State and, and um, you know, um, uh, San Diego State. I'm, I'm thinking of the teams Fresno State off the top of my head. Then a tier three lower and so on. And then you'll have your championship systems for those teams in place because that's where the big money is going to go to. You're going to see college football take a – take a, uh, a parallel seat to what the NFL did as far as its new um, uh, TV package, media streaming. That's the future. Okay, that's what we're heading into. College football is going to get eventually do it. So now you see universities partnering up with other powerful universities to try to generate maximum interest and set themselves apart from other people. That's what Oklahoma and Texas did by leaving the Big 12. Now the Big 12 is going to have to be absorbed by the other ones. And so you've already seen preliminary what the other conferences have done by, say, the collaboration with the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. I'm a guy who believes Power 5 teams should play only Power 5 teams. I might be in the minority when it comes to that, but I believe that that's the way that it should go because that's a true test of power. If that's the case, that's along the lines of that whole Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3 philosophy that I'm thinking about. That's why my thought process is going towards that. Yeah, I think it's not only logical, I think it's needed and necessary. We need to get to that point sooner rather than later. Yeah, you're probably right. But see, the thing is, is during the current climate, there's just so much money that's being generated by, you know, by the NCAA, NC2A and, every, and all the TV uh, um, networks and stuff that are involved with it that they're not ready to part ways with that. The NFL did what they did as far as saying we're going to step away from places like AT&T and DirecTV because we know that we have Amazon, we know that we have you know NBC, Peacock, all the big networks and their streaming services, which allows us to ramp up how much money we're going to charge them because they're going to end up backing back on to the consumer. College football is not there ultimately yet. Lincoln Kennedy joining us. Let's talk about your other job as the uh, Raider analyst. We just saw the uh, quotes from Mike Mayock, the Raider GM, telling reporters, John and I will both tell you that we feel like we need to be a playoff team this year, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. You guys are all going to put that in your headlines, and I understand it, but that's what the expectation is. When I hear a GM say that, I think that conversation has already happened with an owner, and they've been put on notice. Am I I out over my skis? no, 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 no. I mean, look, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's about time that they do put a playoff team on, on the mark. I mean, you've had your chances to build the roster. You turned over the roster. Everyone made exceptions. But now the window is starting to close. And the main reason why the window is starting to close for the Raiders is because they have to figure out what they're going to do with Derek Carr. I mean, the guaranteed money is over. So, the, you know, from future, do they commit, you know, the big resources, which is anywhere from 35 to $45 million? for a starting quarterback uh, these days, um, or do they go away uh, and, and look for someone else? So that's one of the biggest question marks there. Two, it has to pay, you know, it eventually has to turn around and show positive results for an owner committing $100 million to a, to a coach and allow him to turn over the roster, get rid of few future Hall of Famers like Khalil Mack, you know, and stuff like that to, to make it, you know, to make this team their own. Um, and, and it's anyone's guess. It's hard for me to predict, and I'm an analyst. I've been involved with this team, you know, for the last eight years to tell you exactly where they are because right now I don't know. In the final preseason game against the 49ers guys, they left 32 guys at home. Those 32 starters, 
Okay, they didn't play in the final preseason. They didn't play throughout the preseason. So I'm only speculating on what we did or what the Raiders did last year as far as what they're able to do this year offensively and defensively because they did not use all their guys. I don't know how well or how, you know, how, how deeply understood the system is, Gus Bradley's new system is, by the possible defensive starters. Now, I used to watch the preseason to an extent, but now around the league, it's like they don't play. So I'm, right. my interest in it has just dropped off just tremendously. What do you think about that as far as the preseason not taking advantage or not wanting to, obviously, to have these guys in because it's widespread now? Well, I, I had the conversation with um, with um, my the, the crew here, uh, the Pac-12 crew last night when we were talking about now, for for the most part, there were three teams that did not play their starters at all this preseason. Three teams that I, that I remember, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Rams, and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Okay? They did not play their starters at all. Okay? I don't agree with that. Now, I will say that there are guys who don't necessarily need preseason. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need preseason. Okay? But if he has a young first or second year or third year receiver, they should take some snaps. There's no reason why he's sitting on the bench. You see what I'm saying? And that's my philosophy with the Raiders. I didn't mind that Derek Carr didn't play. Okay, I would have liked to see Marcus Mariota show what he could do, either put on film as a trade value or, you know, be able to understand what he can do. I didn't mind Nathan Peterman out there because he's, he's there. But what I didn't like is the fact they didn't play Henry Ruggs or they didn't play Brian Edwards. And Brian Edwards, you know, for the most part, coming out of South Carolina's last year's draft, missed pretty much the entire year due to injuries. So he hardly played. So what are you saving him for? And Henry Ruggs struggled versus press coverage, struggled versus understanding defenses and how to get open. So why not have him going out there full speed? I did not like that. Um, and, and so to, to answer your question, for me it's about there are guys that should get some lather, should understand the routine, should go out there and go through the ritual of getting ready for a game. You don't have to play the whole game. You know, you don't have to play, but go out there and understand what it means in game mode and put them out there in situations that you cannot duplicate in practice. And I think you're missing the boat when you do that. You're playing a very dangerous game when you're trying to curl, you know, hold and control these guys or, or protect these guys and, when, and, th- and think that when you come, in the Raiders' case, September 13th, when they go out there against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night, that you can just turn it on like a light switch and everything will go well. I've lived my entire life in the western side of the U.S., and I am one of the few people who has West Coast bias, but I got a bad case of it. Having said that, I don't think I've ever been more interested in the AFC North and the AFC East. The AFC East with so many young quarterbacks, and clearly Buffalo's got something, but I don't think they're alone. And then in the AFC North, is Roethlisberger got one more year in him? They were 11-0. and uh, The Ravens, well... Maybe J.K. Dobbins shouldn't have been playing in uh, preseason games. But obviously the Ravens have something going. Cincinnati's got a young quarterback. Got to get him back and healthy. Cleveland is finally looking like they're good. Do you buy any of those teams as real challengers to the Chiefs? Yes. (laughs) Which ones? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you can take your pick. I think Baltimore's going to be a a challenge for the Chiefs. I think uh, Pittsburgh could very well be a challenge for the Chiefs. But here's the thing. You don't want to have Ben throwing it, you know, five, six hundred times all around the field. You want to have a running game. Get back to what you know. And I think Pittsburgh can do that. 
uh, especially with the way they drafted and, and, and if they can put the, find a way to piece their offensive line together. Um, but I think Baltimore is a threat. I think Cleveland is a threat with that two-headed running back system. And if they take the, they continue to take the pressure off of Baker, Baker Mayfield and allow him to make throws, I think they have the defense. I think they have the offense to do it. I think Cincinnati will surprise a few people. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but I'm saying that they can beat a couple of people here and there just to disrupt the sort of flow. I think the AFC East in general is going to be competitive. Um, uh, you know, you've got Buffalo, New England. Now that they've got their quarterback and what everything else they surround the Browns can be disruptive as well. And Miami is still in the fold, even though I, I'm, I'm starting to lose more and more um, uh, confidence into a tag by Eloa. So uh, I don't think we'll know where they're going to go with that. Um, but anyways, to answer your question, I, I don't think it's a clear-cut runaway thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I also believe, knowing this because I experienced it, and what they call Super Bowl hangover. And I'm not saying that the Chiefs aren't going to, you know, be capable, but teams in the past coming off a Super Bowl loss haven't fared well the following year. And the Chiefs are right in that sort of sort of segue, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I'm fascinated in the way the game is going now in the NFL, and especially the run on quarterbacks. It seems like every team is trying to get one and so i wonder if these kids are overinflated in their draft positions and should they go as high as they go because it's just a run on quarterbacks almost virtually every year this past season being no exception and it looks like you're going to have three or four maybe five when it's said and done that the rookies are playing What's your stance as far as if you're taking this quarterback high, and we know and with the Jaguars, Jets, uh, and obviously the Patriots, possibly with the Bears, and I'm leaving somebody else out. Oh, 49ers. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that, th- all those guys. It looks like when we get to October, all these guys would be playing. What do you think about that? Not surprised. You know, the, the thing is, is the modern-day NFL – is trying to strike while the getting is good. There are a lot of teams out there, in my opinion, that are a quarterback away from really making a run. One of them is the 49ers. They're a quarterback away. Look, when Jimmy Garoppolo has played and started, he's been good. The problem is he can't finish the season. He's been often injured. So you had to go with a backup plan. And that's why, in my opinion, the 49ers gave away their future, rationed off their future, then jump up to take Trey Lance because they believe that they've got an athletic guy enough enough of athleticism to put them over the hump. Their roster is pretty much well put together. They need a quarterback to sort of put that over the, the top. Same thing goes with the Rams. The reason why the Rams made the trade for Matthew Stafford is not like they went out and were able to get a new quarterback. They got a good quarterback who's been in the league for a while who understands it because they believe that they're just a quarterback away from making a run. There's no surprise in my mind. To further your point, the reason why a lot of teams, especially this past year, have jumped on it is because now in today's NFL by business standards, you've got maybe a four, three to four year window to where you really have to make a championship run. And if you don't make that championship run within there, then you're going to have to go over the top and pay your quarterback $40, $45 million like that, that you see the going rate for the starting quarterbacks. That's what's going to happen, and that's what's going to end up messing you up because now you can't keep all those other great players around because you have to let somebody go. You have to make a, make a quarterback thing. So, you know, the reason why, you know, Trevor Lawrence goes number one to Jacksonville because Jacksonville needed a quarterback. They were tired of playing the quarterback carousel with the other guys they had in play, and they need a franchise. And besides that, when it comes to the business, you know, the, the true identity of an NFL is demonstrated by the, the, the charisma of its quarterback. 
So Justin Fields will eventually take over in Chicago, in my opinion. Mark Jones has already taken over in New England. You see what I'm saying? Uh, Zach Wilson has already taken over for the Jets. This is just the way the NFL goes and likes to do business. Well, Lincoln, we look forward to talking to you all uh, all season long, every week, again this year. Thanks for coming on, and we will talk to you again next week. Guys, good to be with you. I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst and Raider Radio Analyst, working with the ageless Brent Musburger. We'll get Brent Musburger stories out of him another week. Oh, yeah. He, you know there's a million of them, man. For sure. <laughs> Brent, Brent Musburger's one of a kind. In his 80s and still crushing it. So, oh, All right. DJ and PK, coming up next, we are giving away tickets to see Utah and Weber State tonight. So stay tuned. That's in our next segment. Also coming up, uh, PK's got his call him out. We went over BYU earlier in the show. Uh, win predictions, win total for this year. He's got the U total uh, as well in this column, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. We've got a poll question up at Twitter, too. Vote at David DJ James. How many games are the Utes going to win this year? Go vote, and we will update you on the other side. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. This guy who's coached a lot of quarterbacks and ran a lot of offenses. What are the two or three things you need to see from a guy to give him the nod and say, okay, you're going to be the guy? It's not about stats at this point. It's about a guy that shows the ability to prepare the right way all week long, be consistent on a daily basis, and then protect the ball and, and stay within the system on game day. We just felt like that with the injury we had to Bonner and how much time you missed spring and summer that we've seen a glimpse of what both can do but the best way to really be thorough is just give ourselves time I'm not going to play two quarterbacks all season but I'm perfectly fine doing that Saturday if that's what I need to do to help give both the best opportunity to kind of prove what they can do in a live setting Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And PK, it's that time. Yeah. They're on social media. We announced it earlier this morning. Announced it yesterday. There's somebody who wants to go to that Utah-Weber State game. Who's about to win? I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Who's about to win free tickets? I don't know. You have a press pass. That's an excellent question. We don't know. Turns out it's going to be caller number 12, but we don't know who caller 12 is. But now's the time to find out. 855-340-ZONE. And something that Scotty, he put this on social media, we're going to give away tickets to every home game for Weber State, Utah, BYU, and Utah State all year long. So that means oh, yes! people need to listen. Yes, you need to be listening. But he won't be giving away tickets tomorrow because BYU's on the road, Utah State's on the road, yeah, and Utah and Weber State will have already played. Just moving forward. You motored right through that. Wow. <laughs> All right, we'll keep it tuned here to the zone. We don't know when Scotty is going to have us give them away. Will it be on Fridays before Saturday games? Will he spread them out during the week? Scotty is mysterious in this way. Just listen all day. There it is. All right, we know we're giving away tickets right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Caller 12. Yach will now be busy for the next couple minutes finding out who wins the tickets to tonight's game. 5.30, the kickoff. It's on the Pac-12 Network, followed by Arizona State and Southern Utah at 8.30. And the big games, depending on what part of the country you grew up in, are Boise State and UCF, 5 o'clock on ESPN, Ohio State and Minnesota, 6 o'clock on Fox. But commercial breaks, or if you got the second screen going, you're going to go for two screens or three tonight, PK. 
Tonight, no, I'll just have the one because I'll be locked down on the Utes. Locked down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll switch around, but I'm. it's like the Utes are the Jazz. (laughs) BYU's the Jazz. Uh, So we've got to. That's our bread and butter. We've managed to do this thing for a good long time, and we want to continue to do it. So I better be all things BYU-Utah Jazz and – that is there. where the bread done yeah. gets buttered. I mean, it's clear. It's obvious. Yes. Right? Slathered so, even. Yeah. I mean, I haven't missed a game in who knows how long when they're playing. Yep. If, if I'm covering a game and they're both playing, then I'll have the computer out for sure on the other one because I have to. And it's, it's, it's an absolute requirement. So that, that's, that's the plan. I'll switch around a little bit. And uh, I, mean, I expect Utah to be able to – handle these guys comfortably so you know maybe i'll miss a player too but even at that i'm so intrigued what they're going to do on the running back deal because this competition is going to be all game and i don't know that it'll be settled tonight so it may not uh, be i mean certainly it took three games last year to identify the guy by the third game by the third game everybody knew i don't think it did i think they knew it after the first game well, they, they sure didn't act like it in the second. I know, but I think they knew. I, I get your point, but they wanted to still give the other guys the chance. They didn't want to just go one game, that's it, you're out. You're buried in the depth chart because you're going to transfer. Now, they ultimately did anyway. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how are they going to handle it? Ty Jordan's, guy, who, yeah, Ty Jordan's carries last year went 7, yeah. 10, 27. And the second game was at Washington, and he went 10 carries for 93 yards. And they lost the game, and he did have a fumble. Um, but it and was surprising that he didn't yeah, have 15 carries. The fumble is going to just make you go crazy, particularly if you're yeah. a young guy and you don't, you haven't earned the trust yet. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I, I think I, I know it didn't reflect in the category and the mm-hmm. car- carries, but I think they knew, or at least had a strong idea, this guy, this is going to be our guy. I don't know that they get to that point tonight well we'll see it's so, up to the guys you know who who breaks big runs you know who has a second effort picks up two more yards gets the first down because we all know kyle's referenced it a million times run violently you know don't let the first guy bring you down so when it takes the second and third guy to get you down you run through the contact you pick up two or three more yards that's what kyle's looking for yeah or, or have another gear protection and, and other stuff that, too yeah sure uh and and the, the point i'm making here is the reason why I'll be locked down on this game even more, even if the score doesn't reflect it, because who's ever getting the carries in the fourth quarter will be just important to him and his playing time as who's ever getting the carries in the first quarter. Absolutely. you got to put it on film. Uh, we got a winner, Yach. Who won the tickets? You can stop calling. Utah Weber State tickets are gone. <laughs> well, they're, they're also going to be giving tickets away at 1230 and 2.30 today, so stay tuned for that. But our winner on this show is Nico, so congratulations to Nico. Nico's going to the game. All right, 12.30 with Scotty and Hans. Lunchtime. And then 2.30 on the big show. show, Got to go on the early side so you have a chance to get there at 5.30. And the pregame show starts at 4. I was going to say, the pregame's at 4. All right, PK, you got your your calling up with your predictions for the Utes and the Cougars and the Aggies. We went over to the Cougars in the uh, 7 o'clock hour. If you missed it, you can listen uh, at 1280thezone.com. Everything is up. And it'll be at the end of hour number two. Uh, <clears throat> end of hour number two. Yach, you already have that posted? 
close to having it up. Okay, it'll be up in a minute at 1280thezone.com, and you can hear our thoughts on uh, PK's predictions on BYU. You can read his column at 1280thezone.com as well. Now, you've got your prediction uh, in this one column. You hit all, all three of the schools. Uh, for the Utes, cutting right to the uh, chase here at the end, because there's a big explanation if you're a Ute fan, you want to read the whole thing, breaking down different parts of the roster and all that. But at the end, you say, another 8-1 and one is possible, if not improbable. Overall, the pick here is 9-3. and three. And I think this is uh, similar to what you did with BYU. Uh, I think 9-3 and three is certainly the right ballpark, and I think you went uh, one game conservative. It's probably not as clear-cut as BYU, because I think there's three games where the Utes will either probably or maybe possibly be underdogs. USC, Oregon, and I don't know what the ASU point spread will be. We'll have to see when we get there how both teams are playing. Seems like that point spread could go either way. But other than that, I think they're going to be favored in the other nine games. And, you know, maybe BYU or UCLA, maybe got somebody else in mind who could, who could push him. I mean, there are some games that are more swing games and not total locks. But I think if ASU is more of a swing game and not a total lock either. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, at no point, at no point, unless I see it, will I pick anybody to go nine and zero in the conference. And sure, see right. It. I'm not going down that road. And and so. I get eight and one is possible because I agree, but I wouldn't pick eight and one. I think I pick seven and two. Well, eight and one because nine and zero has not happened. Eight <laughs> you and go one eight one. Is, <laughs> eight and one is the best. So I put that as the best because in my mind, nine and zero is not conceivable. It has not happened. They've had some good teams, and those teams haven't gone nine and zero, right? I mean, that's some really good teams that have not gone nine and zero. Got teams that have gone to the playoff have not gone nine and zero, right? So I put that out. So the best possible in my mind is eight and that's if everything goes right except for one loss obviously (laughs) and with that in mind i put the utes a peg below that okay so when you go nine and three are you thinking seven and two in league with a loss to byu or you think it's six and three in league which suggests third in the south because they've lost to the devils and the trojans and the ducks yeah but the six and three can get it done too Six and three has gotten teams to the commerce title game. I just think SC with the schedule of not playing Oregon and Washington has the right? advantage. <laughs> That's a significant advantage right. this time around. A hundred percent it is. So it's hard to go away from that. And that has nothing to do with Utah. That has everything to do with the schedule. You're not playing the team that or the teams that Everybody believes is the top two. Most people think Oregon, Washington. I flip flop that order. We'll see how it plays but out. But either right? way, but that's a major advantage. Now sure. the Utes don't get Washington, right? Right. And two years but ago, still, the Utes didn't play Oregon, and USC did. And USC fans will tell you, well, that was the difference between Utah going to the Pac-12 title game instead of USC. And sure. So this is what happens yeah. when you go to twelve team leagues or bigger. You're going to start having buys, and the schedules aren't going to be even. So that's that's the deal. Deal with it. I, I go conservative with my picks, so I flip between ten and two, nine and three. But when I make preseason predictions, not week to week game predictions, that will be made obviously during the week. But this is well in advance. 
So I'm looking at it, 10 and 2, 9 and 3. I always, I always go, that's just my nature, always go conservative on the preseason picks. The but, preseason pick but you like may to have be, no connection to the week-to-week pick either. But you like to be bold. But not uh, in this case. But, I, but you got to be realistically bold. <laughs> you just can't be bold for bold's sake. <laughs> Why not? It's radio. And well, I mean, I, I guess I got to have credibility here. I just but you're can't. PK. People think I, a lot of people think I just make up stuff as it is anyway. Well, we we screw around and we make stuff up. But when we're being serious, I I, ha, I have to just be exactly that. So I have to have some measure of credibility. Not to say that I'm going to be right because these are preseason. They're predictions. Your prediction, Bob's prediction, Je- Hatch's prediction, the man in the moon's prediction, the lady on the moon's prediction. They're just predictions. That's all. Yep. And we will revise them as the season goes along. We will see teams collapse. We will see teams take off. We will see teams get hit by injuries. So there's lots of reasons to flip what we think. <laughs> well, yeah, but I can remember. Go, uh, let me let me just say this. A few years back, I made a. I, I do this every year. The week before, the week of the season, I publish it on our website. Publish it in KSL, and then people go back and forth. You're an idiot. Blah blah blah. I get all that, and I normally I never respond to that because they're they're predictions. I mean, I, I don't expect to be right. If I'm right 50% of the time, good for me. Well, the one time I went uh, Utah State, I think I put I picked them uh, like 6-6. Six and six. And that college football gal, she's tweeted at me many times. She laid into me, man. <laughs> and, so, and she direct messaged me a bunch of times. So I actually got it dead on. Whatever it was, I don't remember what it was. But I got it dead on. And I waited till after the season. She says, you're going to eat crow, blah, 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 blah. And I, t- I tweeted her back when I nailed it. I said, man, that crow tasted just like steak to me. <laughs> <laughs> and she and we've had good back and forth. She just she it wasn't like it was venomous by any stretch. Uh, it wasn't personal. And so uh, I did go back. And she said, yeah, yeah, you were right. Well, blah, blah. we had a good laugh about it. But take them for what it's worth. I, I, I don't bet on them. That's for sure. I wouldn't bet on them. <laughs> When we come back, there are games you can't possibly predict right now because too much rides on what is happening to the other team. And I think there is one team in particular this year that if Utah beats them, will benefit BYU big time. We'll get to that and your Aggie season predictions next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their season opener in Las Vegas to square off against Arizona. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7.30, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom, and you're wrong about Britton Covey. We'll get to that in a second. Okay, no, go ahead right now. What am I wrong about right Britton Covey? Two-hour no, games. Right, because he knows that the last two hours, hour and a half, are going to be garbage time because the Utes are going to be that good. That would be awesome if they just blow people off the field like they did in 2019. <laughs> and that's, that's what, what you, he's talking that's about. That's what you won't predict. 
I mean, you just yeah, but your, your prediction is his team. Your, your prediction is nine and three, not eleven and one. But they were eleven and one, and games were over at the two hour mark. Honestly, there were games over at the one hour mark. There were a couple games that felt like they were over on Wednesday, <laughs> but not Tuesday. No, no, Tuesday still <laughs> felt like a grind. It was yeah, whenever so, the injury came out when you found out what they're they're coming and they're not bringing their starting quarterback. Well, never mind then. This is so over. He, He's thinking I'll be checked out of the game after the two hour mark. Oh, and I do believe we'll that'll be happen. Winning that big, he. I do think they're going to put him in bubble wrap and use him in the biggest situations. I'll. I'll be surprised if he has ten catches against Weaver State. You know, they'll they'll throw him the ball in some big third downs they want to convert and in the red zone trying to get a touchdown. But I think he'll be used selectively and uh, in critical situations. Yeah, not going to get him beat up. So you have to understand his mindset. That's what he was saying, because obviously college football or football in general lasts longer than two hours. Two hours, yeah. Poll question is up at Twitter. What will the youth record be in the 2021 regular season? And right now, leading the way with 35% of the vote, 10-2 and two or better. 9-3, and three, which is what you put in your uh, column, uh, is getting 28% of the vote. 19% for 8 and 4 and 19% for 7 and 5 or worse. Man, 7 and 5 or worse. That will be I assume that 19% is uh is Cougar fans weighing in. Oh, these guys are going to suck. Yeah, I don't see that. I don't either. I don't either at all. I I think the debate is 9 and 3 or 10 and 2. And I think sitting here in August, early September now, you could pick either one and that's good enough. <laughs> that's, you know, I, It'll. We'll have to see. It's a couple of these games will come down to one or two plays, and who's healthy when you get there, and who's playing backup uh, quarterbacks and offensive linemen and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that nine and three or ten and two is is pretty realistic. I think that's why they're in the preseason poll. I think that's why they were picked second in the Pac-12 South. I think that's why you wrote what you wrote, and I think that's why. What is it? A combined uh, 50, 61, 62 percent of the people are are picking nine and three or ten and two. You know, when you start getting into the or better range, well, then every then everything starts coming together. Oh yeah, wow! And you can't that, you can't pick phenomenal. that now, right? Yeah, you can't you can't. Anything pick that above now. ten and two is absolutely phenomenal. I think ten and two. I think nine and three, six and three, is a good season, and I think above that is very good, and I think uh, two steps above that is great. 10-2, and two, to me, it's just absolutely fantastic, uh, as far as I can tell. Uh, I, don't, I don't know any team that I looked at in the Pac-12 that went 10-2, and two, uh, and, uh, boy, you guys sucked. <laughs> That's just, I mean, I know it's not Alabama, Ohio State, and they'd be all disappointed, but it goes back to what we were saying earlier. That's not where we are with uh, these teams. Uh, these teams are not in that tier. That's an exclusive club, and you have to pay – a heavy price to uh, join that club, literally and physically, and uh, met of, uh, spiritually or whatever I'm looking for. Uh, as far I thought as you meant goes. monetarily. Monetarily because is what I did. That's the word I was you looking got, for. You got to pay. Yeah, that's what I, I meant. That's my. That was the literally portion. The S. I looked it up in a break earlier this morning. The SEC has five of the ten biggest athletic budgets in the do. country, and when Oklahoma and Texas join the league, they will have seven of the top ten. Yeah. So. Come on. And that is why you win. Yeah. You got to spend it wisely, but when seven of your soon to be 16 teams uh, are in that neighborhood, well, somebody's going to spend it wisely. Somebody may go Angels, and the Angels are legendary for spending and 
not spending wisely. Um, they did win a World Series, though. But, they did. Uh, they did get one. Yeah. And I can't tell you how every single year, I guess I can tell you because I'm about to, every single year in my area uh, where I live, a Ute fan has said, man, I can't believe how much they want me to pay for these tickets. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I don't live in the southeast, but I'm betting somebody would say, if somebody says that, then somebody says, fine, I'll, I'll take them, give them to me. And they'll pay it because it's well, and, everything to them. And, and they do it the Utes. Mark Harlan, when they did the media availability uh, to show off the almost finished south end zone, uh, he said, we did this and we had a waiting list and we were worried, you know, supply and demand matters. And he says, we sold it all out. Well, they're go- he said, we're going to sell it all out. Uh, they weren't quite there yet, but he said they were going to sell it all out. And he says, and we're still going to have a waiting list. So yeah. to your point, there is somebody waiting. If you don't pay, they will. Well, yeah, I've had fans say that, but yet they still do. They just get irritated in the short term, but they still pay. And they've got, you know, some of them got uh, six, seven, well, not probably not an odd number, but uh, got eight season tickets, mm-hmm. and they've got them scattered, yep. and their whole families go. Yep. And I know multiple people who do that. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, you are in a good spot. They're not in the spot of the other guys, but they're in a really good spot. It's it's so hardcore that I know a family that had tickets at about the uh, 20, 25-yard line on the uh, east side, kind of the north end, and uh, a couple went through a divorce, and now there are tickets on the east side and on the west side. Yeah. Everybody's still going to the game, but everybody doesn't sit together. Oh, so they have to separate? They did separate. Yes, they did. Oh, literally and physically? But but they still go to games. (laughs) Nobody's given that up. How about this? I know a guy who had tickets to an amphitheater, and he got divorced, and the spouse also had season tickets to the amphitheater, and it turns out that they were right in front or behind, depending on which one. And the guy had to go to the organization and say, uh, you, you're just going to have to move us. Oh, really? Literally right behind or in front, depending on which one. Yeah. And they said, yeah, this this isn't going to work here. <laughs> so they had to, of all the places, I mean, it just so happened that that's the way it turned out. Yep. <laughs> and they got like 4,000 seats, and then they got most of those places have the seats, and then they have the grass area right. you know, for the folks up in the general admission. Yeah. yeah. So they end up being placed right in front, the, as, virtually as close as you can get. It's fate. Then, as, as Humphrey Bogart said, of all the amphitheaters in the world, <laughs> you had to walk into this one, kid. <laughs> so they got him uh, moved. Gin joints, amphitheaters, it's a Utah thing. It's just a slight yeah, adjustment. I, I thought, when I heard that story, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> all right, I, I teased two things, and we haven't paid off either one of them, and Yach wants us to go to break. Should, should we just declare this a failure, or should I make at least one of the two points for the people who hung around for the tease? Uh, make one and then guarantee uh, pay off on the second one. Okay. Uh, the w- one was uh, Utah and BYU always linked together. It's hilarious how this happens. But I really think that with all these games being played in the Pac-12 South, the one I would really look at is USC. Because right now, you've got... BYU, USC, you got USC winning that. Penciled in as a loss for BYU. So do I, but we brought this up on a college football show yesterday. Scott wasn't willing to go there. He said BYU can win that game if, if USC 
or no, he actually said by the time you get there, USC isn't going to be this preseason hype team. Clay Helton's going to be fired. There's an interim coach. They'll be playing at the end of the season just trying to get through it, and BYU will win the game. Now, that was a little flippant, and he got a laugh at that. But PK, you follow it close enough. I know you know this. Twice in the last 10 years, USC has finished the season losing five out of six games. They've gone in with high expectations. It's fallen apart, and when it unravels, it's spectacular. And it happened with a Lane Kiffin coach team in 2012. They went to uh, they went to uh, Arizona, lost 39-36, and everything fell apart. They lost five out of six to finish the season. And in 2018, they lost at Utah, 41-28, and everything unraveled. They lost five of six to end the season. So as much as we sit here and make our preseason predictions, and they're fun, and people want them, and they expect them, and that's fine. Like We have to know. Stuff happens, and sometimes it happens to the opponents, and it's going to impact your season. And so if I, if I were a hardcore BYU fan, I would be watching that USC-Stanford game. I'd be watching that USC-Utah game, because if they win those, they're probably going to have a really good season, and they will be in a good place late in the year. But if they lose those too early... And then they would be an underdog in Notre Dame. I can see the wheels coming off. And okay. Scotty was playing it for Possible. laughs, but he's not totally up in the night. So right now we sit here and say BYU 8-4 and four and Utah 9-3. and three. But we've got that as a loss for BYU. But if the Utes beat USC, I'm not ruling out BYU beating USC either. Okay. All right. We'll get to the other one next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.